like okay realistically like, think of like the oeuvre of don bluth think of like a land before time think of an american tale think of that horrible like rapey thumbelina oh i didn't realize that was don bluth yeah yeah he does hate children thank you and like he seems like a very chill and nice guy and i'm sure it's not intentional but like he obviously hates children rock-a-doodle rock-a-doodle is amazing but it does give you like weird like well, LSD no- nightmares yeah i have nothing negative to say about rock-a-doodle secret of nim oh, an american tale which there are no so cats much. in america and that mouse is a is uh, a russian jew 100 percent I loved all of, like, the 90s moms who were like, this isn't political. It's just, like, the movies, like, holding up signs saying I'm political. I'm sorry, the Cossacks attacking a Jewish village full of mice and them coming to the United States with minor racism? Come on! But there is a vegetarian white savior cat. I mean, it's a white savior, right? Yeah, I mean it's a Don Bluth movie. Come on, there's, come on, we can't we can't have too much representation. There's a vegetarian white savior cat, um, a very Sicilian mouse, <laughs> just just so Sicilian American. But I love him. I'm a little frustrated now that those are all considered to be Disney movies because Fox bought them. I I have seen people all week going. Well, guys, we fought the good fight, but Anastasia's now a Disney princess. But, like, she's always kind of been, because, like, that was the thing. Like, if you look at the movies that people don't like of Don Bluth, and I say, like, don't like, like, I don't know, the weird fucking Don Bluth stands that are, like, Gremlins in New York. I don't know. Or is it Goblins in New York? There's a weird troll movie that he made that shouldn't exist. But um, people, people are like, oh, well, like his movies that suck are the ones that are trying to be Disney. And it's like, oh, I'm sorry, Don Bluth wanted to make money while he was alive. I mean, that seems fair. That's kind of why you make movies. <laughs> like, I'm commercially. sorry. Like, I'm sorry that Don Bluth. Tro- okay, A Troll in Central Park. That was the movie I was thinking oh, about. I've never seen that one. It's bad. It's 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 actually bad. Like it's I don't know why this movie I mean, I don't know why anything exists. I'm very tired. But like our whole world is a hologram. Oh man. Also, uh Disney. I've been reading up on the Disney and Robin Williams drama. I don't know about the Disney Robin Williams drama. So a long, long time ago in a galaxy far away. Yes, I did just make an allusion to a song. Um, Disney really wanted Robin Williams to be the genie in Aladdin. Right. But Robin Williams had a bunch of like conditions for that, where he's like, I don't want to be like a major piece of the marketing. He like accepted like the lowest form of like pay scale. Like he really wanted to be like a minimal part of that movie. And as soon as like they started recording, Disney reneged on all of those promises. They made him prominent marketing. Like it basically became like his movie. And that was the exact opposite of what he wanted. 
he stayed mad at Disney for so long, which is why he's not the voice of the genie in the second movie. Oh, I didn't realize that he wasn't the voice in the second movie. Yeah, it's the dude who voices Homer Simpson. Hank Azaria? Castellaneta. Oh, Dan Castellaneta. Okay. Yes. So he's mad literally for like years. Um, he goes to make Fern Gully like entirely out of spite, basically. Like Fern Gully was the movie he really wanted to make. He did so I never, good. huh? He did so good in that movie. I mean, ninety percent of the time, Mike, Mark, and I are walking around going, "My name is Batty. My logic is erratic. Like it's a problem. It's a problem." That and Tim Curry singing "Toxic Love." I like, have to say, anyone who doesn't get past Tim Curry singing "Toxic Love," but um, it took. I think it was Bob Iger because he didn't like Katzenberg. It took like Bob Iger giving robin williams a picasso wow and like promising that like he wouldn't fuck him over again to get him back to do aladdin three king of thieves maybe that's why i didn't know he wasn't in the second one because i was a very young child when the second yeah honestly like as a kid you you really won't notice like at on on a on a bad day, I can't really tell the difference. But also, like, no one watched the second movie. We all just skipped to King of Thieves because Aladdin has a hot dad. Do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about a book? Yeah. So we are talking about Goethe's Faust tonight, um, mm-hmm. which I picked and then didn't finish reading the book because I've read it before and because I was more fascinated by the rock opera from 1997, which. <laughs> I'm going to talk to y'all about in a little bit. To which um, Tori sent me a, sent a, a series of messages asking if we can have a rock opera. <laughs> to which I responded with valid questions back, and I have not gotten a response to. I apologize. It's not, I was well, sitting there earlier going, I don't know yet what stage we're in in my creative process. I really wanted to be like bloody, bloody Andrew Jackson. So I've never seen that musical, but I've heard about it. Okay, so think about Hamilton, but dip it in a hot topic, and then make the music sound like Green Day. Wow. Yeah, and about Andrew Jackson. See, I'm all thinking it's probably like Cannibal the Musical. No. It's, it's a lot like Proto-Hamilton, but like with Green Day music and like 2000s hot topic aesthetic. Wait, really big hair and those weird feathers? No, no. More like skinny pants and ripped shirts and stuff. No one looks like a glitter raccoon. I know, disappointing. (laughs) Oh, bloody, bloody Andrew Jackson. I think I'm one of five people that has seen that musical. I think so, because I'm like, oh. Uh, so we are, I'm currently not eating or drinking something with Fireball. So we had my office online Christmas party right before I started. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've been drinking Spice Sailor Jerry with Coke. Mm-hmm. Free alcohol is free alcohol. Free and alcohol I didn't even have to alcohol. like dress up or put pants on. Wow. That's pretty office party for me. I went to Target beforehand. So I'm drinking... What I think is the bougiest water I've ever seen. It's called Core Hydration. Ooh, that kind of looked like a Voss bottle for about two seconds. I know. It does feel like a poor white woman Voss. 
It's a Target Mom Voss. And I also have, oh God, a, a Winter Spiced Cranberry Sprite. Ooh. I don't know what any of those words mean in conjunction with each other. I just assume that that means it probably tastes like it has cranberries in it. But the Winter Spiced. Is there spruce in it? <laughs> Did you ever try the juniper latte from Starbucks? I did not, no. So for a while, Starbucks had a juniper latte because uh, they were trying to be trendy and like, oh, the holidays. And I'm a gin drinker. That was the worst thing. I felt like I was just like chewing on leaves. I mean, in a sense, you probably were. Like it was like someone like snipped off a branch of a Christmas tree and like put it in some warm milk. And just You're left it there. It yeah. I was reading all these recipes for hot chocolate, and one of them was like, it was just, it wasn't hot chocolate. It was just warm milk with lavender in it. And I was like, I mean, that could be good, but also I don't understand why this is on this list. It also sounds like the equivalent of like those moms that will put melatonin gummies in their kids' like fruit snacks. I mean, Bring it on for me. I'll be I, Yeah, that was not said in any judgment because my parents would just give you shit a Benadryl. Like, would look me in the eye and be like, we're drugging you. <laughs> uh, so, we're reading Faust because this is still Tori's birth month. Um, and because I made a mistake. I've made a major mistake. I remember liking Faust a lot more when I was an edgelord teenager than I do as a 36-year-old adult. I feel uh-huh. like that's the case with most of this stuff. Like, if you were to go back and try to read Nietzsche, like... You... Oh, my God. I remember we were reading Nietzsche in um, college, and every guy, their eyes were lighting up because they saw themselves as the Ubermensch, and I'm like, um, y'all are sleeping on the floor, not even right. a mattress, in your mom's house. Right, you are not... <laughs> I've, well, I've met you and dated you like the most exciting thing that you've got is a milk crate full of, of uh, LPs that you think no one's ever heard of. Like, what was that tweet that I sent you where it was you. like a bunch of movies? And it's like, what person do you think owns these films? Oh my God. And it's like the whitest of white guys. Because it's like Boondock Saints. I'm pretty sure there was a Tarantino in there. I think there was Fight Club in there. Fight Club was in there. Like, all these movies on their own. Great. Wonderful. Put them together. But like, it builds a picture. Got yeah. I'm a little put it together, and it builds a very specific picture of a dude that I definitely have had sex with, and I regret. Um. I also feel like we were talking a little bit about the fact that as women, or as women representing, a lot of times we can get away with certain things. Um, Completely. Like, me being fascinated by communist Russia, nobody accuses me of trying to make this entire country communist. Right, and, like, it's okay that I'm super into, like, World War II. Because, like, I would be the World War II guy. Like, I would be, like, the creepy white guy who knows too much about World War II in history class. That would be me. But because I'm black and female, like, presenting, it's kind of just like, oh, she can read. How nice. So anyway, Faust kind of makes me feel like I used to be an edgelord, which I did. Let's be real. Used to. Used to is the word we're going with. Okay. Oh, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. (laughs) 
It's like used to. That's that's the one we're going with. Okay. Listen, I angled my camera so you can't see my death's head moth and my uh like taxidermy, okay? <laughs> but I've seen it. I've been in that room a multiplicity of times. I joke with Brianna all the time. I'm like, you know, someday your friends are gonna like want to come over and um you're probably not gonna want to show them this room. You can, but then you're gonna be the kid with the weird mom, so I don't know. No, nah, it's gonna be fine. Also, in breaking news, uh, Mike Pence has announced that the United States Space Force are gonna be called Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for them to have a, a role that's just um, what is it, Star Lord? Star Lord is like their highest level. Of, like, there's no generals. There's just Star Lord. <sighs> heritage mission culture a name chosen by space professionals for space professionals and you choose guardians okay pop off i guess oh dear maybe there is a truth to this intergalactic space federation i'm just saying do we get the are we all going to look really good in the starfleet uniforms or like do i need to start working out a lot yeah, I don't think they look good on everyone, as you can tell by the way it did not look good on William Shatner without specs. I love the fact that, like, I, I maybe mentioned this meme before on, on this show about how Zachary Quinto and, um, come on, Brain, you love him, you love him, Spock, both Spocks could meet each Leonard other and Nimoy. be best friends. Thank you, Leonard Nimoy. I'm like, what? best friends and hang out together but like if chris prine and william shatner met they would be fighting in an applebee's parking lot like that's like one of my favorite memes and it's just accurate because i feel like william shatner would fight anyone just to fight someone like it also he fights people on the internet all the time it reminds me of that song from into the woods there's like agony and it's just like a dick measuring contest between like agony. two melodramatic white men that's what i imagine it's like I, I sing that at my husband when he's complaining about something after I've complained about something. Same. But I mean, he does it to me too, so turnabout is fair play. Uh, so do you want to talk about Faust? Yes. Okay, let's go. Short story long. So just as a heads up, there are technically two parts to this. We're really only going to be covering the first part, and mm -hmm. I'll give you like a glossy overview of the second part. I've never sure. actually read the second part, so... Has anyone? So, usually when this is performed, they only perform the first half because the second half is weird and metaphysical and nobody really wants to do it. Right. So, even the rock opera, I think, is just focused on the first part. So, part one of Faust. He, okay. They bounce around to it for a few settings in the beginning. Initially, we get this whole thing about, oh, these people want me to tell a story, but it's going to be crap, but whatever, here you go. <laughs> so, we start off in heaven, and the Lord is with his angels, and he's like, oh, everything is wonderful. And Mephistopheles starts bitching about humans. He's like, everything is not wonderful. These people are shit. And he's like, no, they're great. And God straight up asks him if there's literally anything that he could do with humans, anything to make Mephistopheles happy. Mm -hmm. And he goes, hey, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go tempt your servant Faust because, you know, he's looking at all these magical options he's looking he's trying to be the smartest man in the world and gain all the world's knowledge mm -hmm. but i think i could knock him off the path and make sure that he doesn't use it for righteous means god's sure. like whatever demon bro you go 
so we have like a job situation mm -hmm. um, except that instead of taking everything away Faust is going to get everything he thinks he he ever want but there right. are caveats to that yes so we go to Faust's study where he is frustrated because he wants infinite knowledge but everything that he has learned feels very vain so he turns to the occult like he as do. you do <laughs> um he's trying to cast a bunch of spells but they keep failing and he keeps just getting like minor spirits it's mm -hmm. not as helpful as he'd like it to be because they don't seem to know a whole lot mm -hmm. so he's really frustrated about it he's like you know what i think i'm gonna kill myself but he can't find the poison um this poison the soup for my family anyway um so he hears ends up hearing the sounds of easter outside and he's like it's easter morning and he goes okay i think i can rise up and his assistant wagner comes in mm -hmm. um, and takes him for a walk which we always recommend above suicide yes um and as they're coming back they are followed by a stray poodle mm -hmm. i am not making this shit up this is a stray poodle okay in so all fairness back then they were gun dogs and they didn't look as shitty as they do now they weren't like cut to look like a no. handbag. Okay. <laughs> so Faust is back in his study and all of a sudden Mephistopheles emerges from the poodle, which the image in my head is because I think of the modern poodle. But yes. Uh, the demon goes, look, your attempts to get knowledge really, really suck. Mm -hmm. But I'm gonna show you how to do this. I'm gonna get you money. I'm gonna get you fame. I'm gonna get you power. I'm gonna get you the ladies. Um, anything you want while you're alive on earth, but when you die. You're gonna be my servant in hell and he's like hmm how about we have this catch and the bargain is that if at any point in time faust is so pleased with anything given to him by mephistopheles that mm -hmm. he wants to stay in that moment forever he will drop dead <laughs> one-way ticket to hell do not pass go do not collect 200 dollars so I, if you're in your mid thirties, I would equate this to anytime Angel experiences a moment of pure happiness on Buffy, whether that's sex or whatever that weird methamphetamine shit was in that episode of Angel. That's kind of how I picture it. Are Goodbye. we really talking about Angel yes. in the year of our Lord 2020? Yes, we are. Okay. Because, because I'm old and I just, you know, dated myself. Um, yes. So Faust is like, cool. Let's sign this pact. You get, mm -hmm. Mephistopheles goes, well, you have to sign it in blood. And Faust is like, you don't trust me? What? <laughs> and so he ends up signing it with a drop of his own blood. Mm -hmm. They go out to celebrate Faust's newfound pact with the devil. They get a bunch of people drunk. They explore power, which he doesn't end up overusing. All of the things he kind of uses in moderation. So he doesn't get too drunk. He doesn't mm -hmm. abuse his power. He doesn't mm -hmm. abuse it really with the women. Mm -hmm. until he meets margaret also known as gretchen i don't know why there's two names we just go with it yeah so he is super attracted to her he thinks she is super hot and mm -hmm. mephistopheles is like this is going to be easy you're going to be my bitch by the end of the night so what he does is he leaves this jewelry for her mm -hmm. and gretchen finds it and instead of being like oh jewelry she takes it to the priest and the priest takes it and mephistopheles is like the fuck you don't mm -hmm. give jewelry to the priest what's wrong with you so he leaves another one but this time gretchen takes it to her neighbor and her neighbor's like you're gonna keep this shit whoever mm -hmm. this is from you should probably nail so they end up having the weirdest like double date of all time with mm -hmm. mephistopheles the neighbor gretchen and faust um faust 
basically ends up giving the sleeping potion to Gretchen's mom so that she'll go to sleep so he can come over and bang Gretchen. Okay. Which seems like a great plan until Gretchen's mom drops dead because she's poisoned by the sleeping potion. Okay. Surprise! Gretchen gets pregnant. Um, Her brother Valentine gets really mad about this because Faust has stolen his sister's honor. Mm -hmm. So he ends up challenging him and ends up dropping dead because of something Mephistopheles and Faust do. Mm -hmm. Um, Gretchen drowns her illegitimate baby because now we have a dead mom, a dead brother, um, now a dead baby. Yeah. Um, And she ends up getting convicted of murder. Faust tries to free her from prison, but Gretchen refuses to leave because she's like, this is your fucking fault. Get away from me. Mm -hmm. And then there's an announcement that she will be saved and she will be rescued, which is kind of like the whole, oh, she's pure of heart and Faust is a dick. Um, Now, there's a couple different things that happen. Either Faust ends up, depending on on your text, for Goethe, he ends up in heaven. Okay. For Christopher Marlowe, he ends up in hell. But then we have part two. Part mm-hmm. two was something that um, Goethe wrote way after, didn't really finish until he was in his 80s. Mm-hmm. And this part is almost never performed because everybody kind of sees Goethe as like the Shakespeare of Germany. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of ignore this part. Basically, it's like this, it's like love never dies with uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber. We pretend that that never happened. Uh, no, um, I, I acknowledge it happens. So this version ignores the romance with Gretchen, so it mm. like kind of wipes that away. And instead, Faust wakes up in a field of fairies on a set of new adventures. And it's five acts, all with different themes. And in the end, Faust goes to heaven. Sure. Sure. So there was a reason I didn't bother reading the second half. Because it's bad. Um, because why? Because it's bad and no one reads it. Um so the funny thing about faust is that you've probably encountered a version of this story in pop culture somewhere because we love the bones of this story but don't like the story yeah we're not a culture that's very comfortable with um infanticide first and foremost true plus the whole concept of you know selling your soul to the devil is very very popular in pop culture yeah, it's super popular. I bought my former best friend's soul when we were in high school. <laughs> there was that episode of The Simpsons where he sold the soul to Millhouse. Yeah. Don't sell your soul to friends, because now we're no longer friends, and I still technically have a soul. It's notarized. I would like to keep mine. I'm not giving it away. That's Basically, fair. I think Jesus has a stamp on it, so, I mean, it'd be like trading pinks for something that uh, I don't own. Oh, um, no. So, some themes and symbols. One of the yes. ones that I want to start off with is the biblical story of Job. Yes. So, the story of Job in the Bible is that the adversary, which we now, most of us are like, oh, that's Satan, um, is talking to God and going, you know, you made these creatures and you say that they are good over evil and that, mm-hmm. you know, your servant Job, who is great, will serve you all the time and mm-hmm. will never turn from you. Well, he's also got a lot of shit, so bless you. Thank um, you. He's got, you know, he's got land, he's got kids, he's got stores of food. If I take mm-hmm. all of that away, I bet you he will turn from you in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. God goes, okay, go for it. Mm-hmm. Tempt, my, tempt my servant. 
-hmm. and basically the adversary kills job's family Mm -hmm. decimates his fields well more Mm -hmm. than decimate it's more than 10 percent. destroys everything in this guy's life and job is basically just sitting there with sores on his body and his friends don't really know what to do and they're just kind of surrounding him listening to him lament but Mm -hmm. he never turns from god Mm -hmm. and he proves god's point Mm -hmm. Um, in this story there's a little bit of a difference i mean we still have the challenging of god we still have the um i can turn your servant against you but mm-hmm. in this case, instead of taking everything away, he gives everything he can to Job, or not Job, mm-hmm. to uh, Faust. Mm-hmm. And part of me thinks that's because when we start the story, Faust is done. He's ready to check out. And it's really the fact that he kind of hears Easter bells and has can't find his poison very easily that he doesn't kill himself. Well, so, I also... I've always had a trouble with the story of Job because, so fun fact about me, thanks to trauma, I'm a bit of a deist now. Like, I do believe in a higher power, but I don't believe in a higher power that, like, actively intercedes in life. So the problem with the book of, with the story of Job is you have then a god who is basically sitting around with Satan saying, yeah, knock yourself out. Fuck that one guy in particular. It's the story has always bugged me too. Like it's, it's always bugged me. I've never understood like that story as like piety. Cause yeah, I'm leaving. Sorry. Like you've taken everything from me. Bye, Felicia. I'm gonna go worship this golden calf that everyone says brings nice things. Um I had a friend who told me once that she got stopped on her way to a class. She was in like a junior college. And somebody goes, hey, do you want to come to our Christian club? And she says, I'm sorry, I still worship golden calves in the desert. Perfect. And I felt like that was the best response an 11th grader could have ever come up with. Oh, absolutely. Major points for an 11th grader. Uh, So I do do somewhat agree with you on the reversal that you have to have someone who kind of already has stuff going for him. Because, yeah, like the story of Job just doesn't, I think if you pick it apart at all, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, it's the Bible. None of it makes sense, including the part where Jesus kills one of his friends and then brings him back from the dead to have the dead kid say he didn't do it. This thing in the Apocrypha, or are you talking it is, about it's Lazarus? Apocrypha. Okay, I was like, this wasn't taught in my Protestant Bible. Also, your Protestant Bible is like this big. Yeah, and then yours is like this big. <laughs> we gestured with hands. You can't see it. But like... The difference between a Catholic Bible and a Protestant Bible is, I think, the difference between if you get shot in the chest and this Bible is in front of you, I think the Protestant will die and the Catholic may live. Likely. Just based on thickness. Um, but yeah, so it's interesting that we start with the book of Job and with that, because again, that's probably another story that you've seen in pop culture a lot, almost secularized and removed from the Bible. Um, which is fine for me. There's a part of me that is masochistic and almost wants to do the Bible as literature for this podcast. I'm down if you want to do individual books or if you if you want to do it as a whole though. No, that may absolutely be, not. That may absolutely. take some time. No, we're not doing the we're not doing the whole fucking Bible. And if we but do like, the gospel, then I have to like cross myself four times before we can start. <laughs> yeah, and then we have to like add in the one that my church has because we're not done telling the story of Jesus apparently. 
Um, so, but yeah. And there's a there's going into also the fascination of packs with the devil. And yes. our culture, at least in the United States, can't get enough of the story. Like, mm-hmm. we have de- de- uh, the devil and Daniel Webster. It's very, very famous. The whole Sabrina, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina show, took mm-hmm. off. And half of it is them talking about, you know, their servants of Satan. And then, like, at one point in time, he shows up and they sing songs from Phantom of the Opera for some reason. Um, because this show was written by us. There's... um. <laughs> You know, that TV show Lucifer, super popular. And it, it, what's, what's interesting for me, too, is the choice of using Mephistopheles. Mm. Because from what I understand, you know, like, we have all these different names for different devils and different demons, mm-hmm. different areas of hell. Um, there's actually a really amazing book called the um, is it Dictionary of Demons by Michelle Belanger. And it is massive. Her, like, anniversary edition ca- just came out and it's huge or just read the it. Colin de Plance, uh dictionary in for now there you go and you get pictures you do which I had on my computer and sent to Tori and she had no questions about well here's the thing I was I laugh every time I see the picture of Stolas because it's basically just an owl that you lift it up so you can see its full legs that's it's it. just a it's just a leggy owl <laughs> it's just a leggy bird um, also, don't Google Stolas right now because there is a show that a couple of animators do that is entirely centered around hell and killing people. Hell of a boss. And Stolas is a main character, and he is a very leggy owl, and he's also an incredibly sexually aggressive masochist. So if you want to see like a hot owl dude. I'm, I'm good. I will. Uh... I'm just letting so you know. Like, if you if you go and Google Stolas right now, you're gonna get some weird fan art. Of well, what I'm I'm fascinated by too is, it, depending on which culture is telling the story, mm-hmm. is how you get different descriptions. So you have, in certain traditions, more people focusing on Solomon and the temple and him being able to control demons. You see a lot of that mm-hmm. in the Middle East. Um, in stories from like. Um, Thousand and One Nights since Arabian Nights, there you're, but not whatever it is, uh, whatever, just pretend that I knew what I was talking about, that's okay. the tagline for this show, just pretend that Tori still remembers anything that she learned in college. Fair. Um, Thousand and One Nights, I don't know, whatever. Doesn't matter. Um, so these are, are very, very popular tales, and then you come to the United States, and we have things like that TV show Good Omens, we're very focused on um the end of the world the apocalypse the um the revelation which is interesting because in other cultures and other belief systems the entire book of revelations is written in code to get around the time period so the guy wouldn't get executed not just that other religions actively believe that predicting this stuff is a sin do you know whose fault our obsession with the end of the world is wasn't it like a cult in like the 1800s in the it's United Protestants. States? Yes. There was yeah. like a whole following in San Francisco and all sorts of places where it spread like wildfire, just like those tent revivals. It was another form of entertainment. And that's why the United States has stuff like the Left Behind series. Uh, we have terrified evangelicals thinking 
that God is just going to be like, I'm going to release the four horsemen of the apocalypse this week. So have you, you ever had in- to go through a rapture drill? I have not, thank God. I have. Where it's, it's just so bizarre to me. My friend is Greek Orthodox and he sat me down one day and he's like, you know, this isn't real, right? Like the rapture is not going to happen. And I looked at him and I'm like, what? Because I had had this whole conversation with like my Lutheran pastor when I was 15 going through catechism, which was funny because I was too old but I did it anyway. And I'm like, well, this isn't true because this is what I was taught when I was a kid. He's like, no, 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 no. You went to an evangelical church until you were about 14, honey. Let me tell you what we believe. And just the, we have just this huge culture around the end of the world, which is hysterical because when we have major catastrophes, we do not do well with it. As we've seen from 2020, we think we're going to be like, the bold eagle and we're like a bold animal like it's a problem we're hiding in the ground crying and it's like we think we're gonna be badass honey it wasn't a zombie apocalypse you don't get to shoot anything unless you're trying to shoot people with a 5g tower just kidding we don't advocate for that uh rapture drills are really really fun because it reminds you that all of this is dumb and made up by people Well, what's fascinating about it, too, is just the whole concept, like, where you have left behind, where um, you're going to wake up one day and your family is going to be gone, but you were a bad person, so you're stuck here. Like, wow. You know how bad that terrified me until I was, like, in my mid-20s and my friend and I had that conversation? Mm. I legitimately thought that I was going to be the bad person who got left behind and that, like, my friend's kids were all going to be gone mm-hmm. and like pregnant moms or stomachs were going to deflate and shit like, and so, <laughs> like i'm embarrassed how long it took me to read this and that's the funny thing is it's like i still believe that there is a deity like there is something out there but i also don't think that deity is going to wake up one morning and be like you know what you didn't count that on your taxes so uh yeah, no, you're going to stay. Like, I don't think that that's a thing. But I do think that it's important because you kept hinting at this. Especially like Western civilization has this wonderful fascination with making Satan hot and attractive. Yes. And like, that's do. something that I've really grappled with because do you remember that like ABC special about the crucifixion of Jesus like that was on during Easter? Mm-mm. So there's like an ABC special that was on like all the time, like every year during Easter. And their version of Satan's like a hot older dude, and he drives like an apocryphal like con- like Corvette car in the desert. I don't know who wrote this. He just comes out of a nice car in the desert and then talks to Jesus. And I remember looking at my mom and being like, "Why is Satan hot? Like, if you're trying to dissuade me from sin, you're doing a bad job." Every version of Satan is hot, and he seems like he has a lot of nice things to offer me. I feel like we talked a little bit about this when we were talking about, um, come on, and Abash the Devil Stood and Felt Hell Paradise awful. Lost. Thank you. You're welcome. As I quote that part from The Crow, because that's all I can remember. I'm like, um, where is Lost? Where yes. it's like, we talked about the Inferno, and the Inferno is like, yeah, it's this weird three faced thing and eating people, and he's frozen. And then it's like you read Paradise Lost and it's like, oh, this is a tragic hero who might, might be mildly attractive. Well, that's also Lord Byron's fault. 
He's dead. He can't hear you. Um, Good, then he won't mind this. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Did we ever, did Percy Shelley ever get his heart? I don't know. I know that it was in her desk. Yeah. Her desk wrapped up, but I don't know. Do you need to tell the story about Percy Shelley's heart? I feel like we did during our Shelley episode, but just as, our, our Mary Shelley episode, but just for those who don't know, when um, Percy Shelley died, yes, Mary was uh, far away because she wasn't on this boat trip, and so his friends ended up cremating the bodies because they had kind of been found waterlogged and it was really gross. And because they wanted to do a Viking funeral, Shelley Percy Shelley's heart had like calcified mm-hmm. and like became this basically hard as a rock object, mm-hmm. and so they gave it to Mary Shelley and she wrapped it in his poetry, if I remember correctly. Yes, kept it in her desk. Yes. she's in metal um yes. until she passed away mm-hmm. and i believe i don't know if there was a was there a movement to try and like return it uh i think it like went to their kids i can confirm his heart is with the rest of his body okay because i'm okay. gonna say i know like chopin his heart is preserved in a church in poland if i remember correctly poland or france but i think it's poland he's never getting it back from. he's um, never getting it back <laughs> Do you want to talk about romantic love versus infatuation? I do, but I want to say one thing real quick. Evidently in Naples, there is this saint's blood and it's supposed to turn liquid on particular feast days. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was fine in September and then they went to do it for December and it didn't change. So now Mm -hmm. all these people are like, the world is ending. Mm -hmm. But then there are other people who are like, if it happens in December, it's okay. It's not that big of a deal. If it's in September, we're um, but anyway, that was fascinating. I love to today. Saint relics. Fun fact, uh, just because one, they can be anything. There are multiple churches that claim to have the foreskin of Jesus, and I mean, like, how do you prove that? How do you, how do you say, no, mine is, mine is the true Scotsman of foreskin, like. I, well, then, like, I think there's a book, I want to say it's, like, Magnificent Corpse or something, but it's about mm. all the relics in, like, Germany and um, mm. in Italy. Italy is primarily where the person went. And then there's all the Paul Kutenaris books about, um, you know, those decorated skeletons that have, mm-hmm. like, the jewels and, like, the lace and are completely mm-hmm. decorated. And it's, like, they can't prove that those are really the saints' bodies. But during World War II and World War I, they, like, hid them so that mm-hmm. nobody would come and steal the jewels from mm-hmm. these monasteries. And just, like, fascinating stuff. But anyway, romantic love versus infatuation. Mm-hmm. So this is actually one of the fascinations that Goethe had about when he was writing. Um, mm-hmm. His first book, Sorrows of Young Goethe, um, I, I don't speak German, so I apologize if I'm butchering this. Um, was all about, you know, falling in love with this woman and her not returning that love. And we see that initially with Gretchen as she's like, I don't really know. I mean, you're cute, but not really my thing. We also see Um, it with gross incels. Yeah. So initially, Faust is obsessed. He's infatuated. He's Mm -hmm. like, this woman is absolutely beautiful. She's everything I want, you know this is what I'm aiming for. And mm-hmm. it's not that he loves her. He loves the idea of her. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a lot of that in, in Goethe's work is this mm-hmm. focus on, I must possess her. I must have her. Oh, wait, this is a real situation. I'm really not that into it mm-hmm. versus romantic love, which he was 
kind of opposed to because over time romantic love fades and it becomes a utilitarian relationship mm-hmm. and he hated the idea of that um he had been it, we'll go into this a little bit too he had been very in love with this one girl who basically was like i'm you know really not that into you mm-hmm. and he was just like I can't believe this. And then he starts thinking, he's like, well, we would have gotten old and fat and hated each other and had to do laundry. And, you know, that's just not what I'm looking for. Fun fact, Goethe was very into sex. I mean, he's German. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's usually how that stuff goes, though. But I was also like, there are a lot of like weird philosophers that believe that. Uh, School of Life, which depending on who you talk to, is either the greatest YouTube channel that's ever existed or a pyramid scheme for exploiting the emotions of the vulnerable um has some great videos on philosophers and in hindsight what a lot of these men believe is just gross and icky and sad because it comes down to them not being able to be attractive to women it's all very like proto-incel stuff like it's weird and uncomfortable but I think it's important to note that especially when we're talking about Faust, that this is again once more about gaining something. This has nothing to do with Gretchen as a person. You probably could replace replace Gretchen with a fuckable lamp and he'd feel the same way. Like it's about uh, it's about obtaining and gaining rather than hoping to grow and develop. It has nothing to do with anything that has morals or depth or care about another person and everything to do with a selfish power play. Especially when you see the situation where, you know, Gretchen is pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a, we're going to find a solution and be together, or we're going to find a solution and I'm going to help you raise this child in this particular situation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more, uh, I don't want to be part of that. Because why would she drown her kid otherwise? Why would you go through the whole process? Yeah. Oh. Like, eh. Uh, so Easter versus Walpurgis night. Uh, I mean, we know what Easter is, right? Yeah. So Easter is at least, I mean, in many, many cultures, the highest of the holy days. Now, Christmas is fun, and a lot of people are more interested in baby Jesus, six pounds, five ounces, if we're going to do Talladega nights. Um, but more, Easter is the, you know, the celebration of. Christ dying for sins and being resurrected. Well, Easter is the resurrection. Yeah, Easter Good is Friday the Friday is the dying. Right. But it's this this whole, it's a high holy holiday because it's like, hey, you've been forgiven. You've been freed. Let's eat candy. Um, and just like every other basically major holiday that we have, it was easier to overlap it with an existing pagan holiday or existing pagan holidays mm-hmm. to keep things going. That's why we have Christmas in December versus October or March where we're more likely to have seen um, the, my brain is just gone, them doing the census with King Herod and stuff like that. That was right. more likely when Jesus also, was Also, you have Saturnalia. We're still in the days of Saturnalia. I mean, we're Says the old. Latin student. So it's, it's very, we, we have this, you know, tendency to be like, oh, well, you know, this i celebrate this and you're going okay cool well these following eight celebrations that you use are um actually pagan in origin and depending on how you feel about bill maher religulous does a great little uh, montage of that there is an amazing book called pagan christianity 
that goes through and it, it's very much written from a perspective of you shouldn't do this you filthy catholics but what it does is it goes through and goes this is why we do it this way this is why we have churches shaped this way this is why this happens this is why incense and candles are involved um and a lot of it is you know people took what worked people took what worked from judaism they took what worked for the surrounding culture and they put it together and, and they over took the what years, they liked i'm not gonna say they took they what liked, worked yeah because if they took it's, what worked we'd have gnosticism like if, if and we it took it you're always going to see different versions of things there are reasons that we have um russians celebrating their christmas on the 7th and being way more involved in um the first of the year although that has to do more with communism and that kind of stuff um and yes. basically being told that religion is an opiate of the masses and you're not going to do it anymore that's a sure. whole thing um but with the orthodox calendars and stuff like that those are usually i think it's seven days behind depending on so, the yes. depending on the year you have mm -hmm. the jewish calendar which is based on lunar um mm -hmm. you have and i'm gonna laugh if, if i'm getting all of this wrong and somebody comes after me but please do i need to be corrected um but I mean, things like the Christmas tree. Christmas tree was not a Christian tradition. Yeah, the Lutherans are going to tell you Martin Luther looked up through the pine branches and saw the stars and said, hey, we should put candles on this thing. That's the propaganda y'all were told? That's what we were told. And I'm sitting there going, um, what about the pagans who were like worshiping trees for years? Yeah, the Catholics don't even try to explain that. They're just like, put the tree in your fucking house. Well, we have an advent wreath which is a little it's fascinating to me too because it's like we're we're seeing so much more interest in pagan traditions now mm -hmm. um especially from places like austria like krampus is huge huge uh, an appropriated version of krampus is okay. huge because i'm gonna in, i'm gonna be here, that fuddy-duddy for a minute a lot of people who say that they're into these pagan practices are colonizers and they the, like to cherry pick what they like so um and i i say it the pretentious asshole german way it's compass um which is totally normal for them um but what it, theirs is is that you do not have krampus without saint nicholas right it's saint nicholas's feast day he's gonna go and leave presents for the good kids and mm -hmm. talk to them and spread cheer mm -hmm. and krampus is going to come behind and beat the shit out of the kids who have misbehaved with this isn't yeah with birch branches this isn't like he just roams the countryside for funsies like he doesn't crawl in your windows and snatch your children up unless he's with saint nicholas and he has permission like that this is fantastic though just to have this like cloven monster just roaming the fucking alps just capricious as the day is long oh i'm trying to remember what the name of it was there's a a book called like the old magic of christmas but there is a story about samuland where there is um which is like very 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 high it's where the sami people live um you'll hear it referred to as lapland which is rude as fuck that's like um that's like using a racial slur calling them laplanders so don't do that it's just rude it basically um equates to people like who had patched clothes um very very rude it's like calling the roma gypsies we don't do it stop it um anyway so samilund there is a belief that there was a man in a red suit 
that would come through and if you didn't have your paths cleared like if your wood wasn't stacked up properly and there was a place for him to move through he would murder your family okay like what the shit dude like we have a jolly fat man everybody else is like well if you don't finish like doing your uh flax weaving this troll is gonna eat you or this cat will come after you or this chick will slit your belly open and replace your innards with trash like how do we get that shit that's uh, fabulous i mean it is but it's also terrifying and you can Iceland. blame the Victorians for that because they're the ones that invented Christmas. Um, so I think Iceland had to pass a law so people would stop trying to scare their kids with Grilla and the, the um, Yule Lads. Like, yes. stop it. Don't scare your kids with anyway. I could talk about this stuff all night. We're not going to. No, um, we're not. We're, we're really not. So Walpurgis Night is Witches Night. Um, it also coincides with a religious feast day for mm-hmm. St. Walpurgis. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're also seeing more in regards to pagan revelry now with this yeah. as well. I was about to say, like, it's really not that pagan everywhere else. Uh, Anton LaVey made it pagan. So, again, we're seeing this kind of, like, conflation of a lot of this stuff. Because, I, uh, how do I say this without sounding gross? A lot of religion has accepted that there's pagan influence, and we just don't talk about it. Like, I know, like... At least, like, for me being raised Catholic, like, that's what we've done. We don't have the same, like, Christian reconquista of, like, needing to make these less pagan. We've never really had that. We've just acknowledged that with our incense and statues and candles and flowing clothes that we're going to look like a group of witches. Because we do. Um, so... Candles, okay? Yeah, I mean, going to a Catholic mass, I mean, like, the Easter Triduum is one of the most pagan looking traditions where you sit in a room and everyone gets a candle and it's dark and then all of you at midnight blow out the candle and you sit in darkness and pray and then you relight candles because jesus is no longer dead that's some witch shit that's just straight up witch shit um so anton levey is who made while purgis knocked pagan or separatist pagan because it was more rooted in the saint feast day than anything else it's like literally anywhere else in europe it's a feast day that's actually usually pretty close to easter which is why you get bonfires and shit like that um so thank you anton levey for othering us one more time he's dead isn't he i hope so (laughs) um i'm i'm fascinated too by you know we have things like St. Andrew's Night, which we don't talk about in the U.S., but that he was a dead. huge. Can't confirm. That was a huge plot point in Dracula. Is the day he arrives with all these blue flames, where there might be treasure, but all the vampires and monsters have come out. Mm-hmm. Like, it's fascinating to me. Like, it I is. don't know. Uh, like so some he's... golden police level shit. Like, I'm just gonna go read a bunch of folklore and then go to bed. Like. So he's talking about the devil having active participation in human life. So this was super medieval. Like, oh my God, the medieval church was like, the devil is in every barrel. He's around every corner. Like he's just here fucking around. And that was a huge concern for the church for a very long time. What are you talking about? That was my evangelical childhood. I mean, it was my dad's evangelical church. 
and my mother being Catholic is like, there is a devil and he's there. <laughs> like, it's weird how the Catholics approach Satan because it's like, even though we have exorcisms and stuff like that, we never really assume that it's like the devil doing it. There's a million and five lesser demons who have time on their hands. Like, the devil isn't like an active boogeyman who's like creeping out like under beds and like hiding behind like corners and in eaves of churches. It's just just lurking around waiting for you to mess up uh, my favorite thing is uh the dumb hats that medieval women wore uh to prevent like demon sex in the ear what yeah so there's like these like dumb headdresses that a lot of medieval women wore uh and it was to keep uh demon penetration out of your ear of your ear because that was a concern okay okay it's like the 1300s what are you going to say of so we don't ear really have for all. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, ear hats for all. Um, so we don't really have a lot of those concerns anymore. Uh, or well, okay. There's too many Christians who still have that concern, but but most people don't have that concern anymore. Which is why some parts of Faust feel so weird. Like I think it's important to also mention that Mephistopheles is not necessarily Satan. Right like he's an agent of satan um so it's important because that's one thing that usually doesn't get translated well is that we imagine it's satan but it's like satan has things to do he's a devil not the devil right um and forever in my brain i think of cats oh yeah because there's a mephistopheles cat right i think it's just mephistopheles yeah, so I think there's like a, there's no there's there's not a T, but it's still oh god, cats is a nightmare. Um, so and because this, this isn't yes. to say that I don't think that there isn't an adversary or I don't think that there isn't a devil, sure, or demons. Um, sure, I still believe in all that. I'll be a hundred percent. But I also don't think that like satan really has time to like hang out and be like i'm gonna look at every one of your individual choices today like i would think he would have friends or like you know you go and do this she's boring she like that's what stolas is for she turns in nickels off the playground go talk to her like it's boring like i want to work with this president that'll be fun like that's why we have that leggy owl stolas he's just he has time to do that He's like, I, got, I look really good in heels and also tormenting your soul. He's just a leggy owl. Like, he's just, he really is just a leggy fucking owl. Um, so, yeah, it's important to mention that because I think, again, like, translation usually makes it sound like the Faustian deal is a deal with the devil. It's not. It's a deal with a demon. And, and those are, is like, interesting too, is He tries to do these spells initially. Mm-hmm. And he just gets minor spirits who are yes. like, hey, let me tell you some stuff that you really don't care about. And this is not anything that you're going to remember. And he's like, whatever, I don't care. This is dumb. And then it's like, you get Mephistopheles. It's like, congratulations. This probably isn't that much higher on the ladder, dude. He's, it depends on your hierarchy of hell. Uh, so do you want to talk about some microcosms and some macrocosms? Yes. And this is really kind of more in to do with... Uh, 
how the books are divided. So in the first world, it's more microcosms, it's more focused on Faust's immediate surroundings and the immediate people he knows. Mm -hmm. And then in the second part, it's macrocosms. So it's bigger concepts of the world. And you see this with occult studies as well. Um, mm -hmm. When it comes to focus on the occult, it's more, how does this influence everything as a mm -hmm. whole versus, um, you know, where you'll do specific techniques or whatever to influence your immediate world. So mm -hmm. you would use the entirety around you mm -hmm. to do some influence, but you have this a, a bigger concept, at least. There's, there's more going on than just, mm -hmm. I want a pair of Nikes. Like it's, mm -hmm. how do I set myself up to go ahead and acquire these Nikes and everything higher going forward? Like, this is a bad example, but yeah. Also, like, don't waste your demon shit on shoes. Yeah, I'm just gonna go ahead and say that. If you're summoning demons to do things for you, don't waste it on shoes. Um, I mean, make sure that you've got like a golden ring that has a particular seal, as well as the markings of of minor deities and angels, so you can kind of control it and build you a temple. Sure. Um, sure. It is also important to mention that this is like very like weirdly proto science. Um, a lot of Faust's stuff also gets translated as alchemy rather mm -hmm. than like spells and magic and I think that that's something that's also super important to mention is that a lot of this stuff does seem to be trying to be rooted in a science rather than just like running naked through the woods with like sage. Which is really interesting because alchemy um, you usually hear people refer to it as you know turning a base metal into gold but mm -hmm. if you're looking at it from a more detailed perspective, what it's supposed to be is more of a macrocosm. It's more, how do you turn your initial spirit into something more valuable? Mm -hmm. uh, how do you turn your base nature into something more ethereal? Right, it's the great work. Um, I say like I am an alchemist. <laughs> but yeah, so like, I think it's important to mention that as well because a lot of translations will just make it sound like Faust is just like dick out in the woods with some plants. Well, that was more Goethe, but I'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> he's just he's just cock out in the woods, just singing, and like really a lot of it. Think more Nostradamus, I guess, like sagely alchemical, like beakers and shit. So he's not a Disney princess. <laughs> yes, <laughs> dicks out in the woods, Disney princess. Oh my god! <sighs> this is why Mom we don't record at night. This is why. Or after my office Christmas party where they gave me spiced rum. Like, Accurate. All right. So some information about Goethe. This mm -hmm. is really fun. Mm -hmm. um, I like how I didn't like write his full name anywhere. I just was like, I know how to pronounce his last name. Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. Like, yeah. that's a power name. That's like... I want to change my name now. Okay. Johan Wolfgang. That's like the best part. I actually knew somebody named Wolfgang and it was always funny because we'd be like, do we call him by his full name? Like, what do we do? It was a family friend and we were little kids. Um, my I mom was like, just call him Mr. So-and-so. And I wouldn't know what to do. Because... So I told you about the episode of Deadliest Warrior where they have like Waffen SS versus Viet Cong. Yeah. And like one of the Nazi experts, I'm using quotes, is named Wolfgang. Like I wouldn't know what to do with a person 
born after like 1940 named Wolfgang. Because I'm assuming you're a Nazi. I'm sorry. Like if, like if your parents made that choice in 1990, I'm assuming you're a Nazi. I'm going to feel real bad for our Wolfgangs that are going to like write into us of like the four that have ever heard of the show. The four that exist. Because like that's a choice. I'm sorry. That's a choice. I was talking to my husband about that the other day. Like, you have so many options for names. Why be cruel? Why? I don't think it's cruel. I just think that, like, I'm sorry that Hitler ruined this for you. But, like, you can't sound that German anymore. It's weird. It's weird and scary, and I'm sorry. Um, Continue on notes on the dude. Anyhow. Goethe is one of the main cultural heroes from Germany, so I apologize. Um, basically, we kind of equate um, most of uh, Western literature, at least our, our end in the U.S., tends to be focused more on British writers and the like, just because obviously we had a large swath of our country that was British. Um, but Germany was looking for something to have a cultural hero as well. I mean, you have obviously famous Greek scholars. You have famous writers from France, you have famous writers from the UK, and they were like, you know what? We do too. And everybody's like, well, who's yours? Um, so anyway, he's like Germany Shakespeare. For lack <laughs> and they of just a better picked this guy out of a hat, because there's other German writers. <laughs> so he was born in 1749. He died in 1832. Mm-hmm. Um, like many of the authors we've talked about before, he went to law school and hated it, Mm -hmm. um, so did not become a lawyer, but he ended Mm -hmm. up being part of an international tribunal that decided cases between different parts that made up the Holy Roman Empire. I mean, that's a job. It is Um, a job. He fell in love with the fiance of one of his colleagues. They -hmm. committed some indiscretions together, Mm -hmm. and uh, she basically told him to go F himself. And so he ended up writing the book The Sorrows of Young Werther, Um, And in that book, the main character completes suicide. So the book ends up getting banned because many readers killed themselves after reading the book. Oh. So they're like, I'm a tragic hero as well. I shall also jump off a bridge and drown myself. So that didn't go well, but people were like, this guy can write. That's good. He ended Mm -hmm. up working for the Duke of uh, Weimar and he was a chief advisor Mm-hmm. So he was a glorified civil servant, and mm-hmm. uh, he spent a lot of his time in that role, including controlling roads later on, and at, he took control of a state-owned silver mine as mm-hmm. part of his, his job. Um, he said that he didn't find this menial work. He said he felt that it helped him turn big ideas into practice, um, which later would go into his books. He established a state theater and created a model style of an urban park, which are kind of that's kind of cool um Mm -hmm. he tends to be more famous for his writing but his influence on germany is huge Mm -hmm. Um, he as he got older got over germany mostly because no german woman wanted to have sex with him and so he ended up going to italy and he got to rome because he was disappointed and thought everything was uh lifeless ruins that didn't do anything for him so he starts writing and he starts making up this woman named faustina which is interesting Um, and he creates this ideal woman who is the spirit of Rome and someone who will totally bang him. And she'll just talk about how 
as she walks through these, these are just buildings that surround her. This has always been her life. This is where she sees things when she goes to get bread. I don't know. So he ends up having all of these very, very interests. So he's mm-hmm. into chemistry. He's into the science of optics. He's into botany. Um, and he ends up writing a bunch of different things, including an entire book on plants, which did fairly well for a book on plants. Um, he was very big into science that you could do by yourself at home. <laughs> no pun intended. Anyway, um, since no one would do it with him. Um, so anyway, he would observe candles and talk about, you know, different coloration and things like that. Or when it came to books, he would observe the plants in his garden and then write about that. He started evidently to write Faust when he was a teenager. So it was just mostly little segments and things that he would kind of write. And he really only finished it when he was in his 80s. So that second portion, he finished right before he died. Um, it's, you know, it's written in two parts. We've already talked about the fact you don't really perform the second part. You usually just perform the first. Um, the first appearance of it actually in print at all was in 1790. And that was after Germany contacted him. And that was part of their push to show the rest of the world that they were just as culturally relevant. It was very fragmented and it was more like a series of ideas. He ended up publishing the full part one in 1806. He revised it in eight, oh, sorry, pieces of it in 1806. It was published in whole in 1808. And then he kept revising it and he came out with a new version in 1828, 1829 timeframe. And then he finished right before he died part two, and it was published posthumously in 1832. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, this is like what considered to be one of the greatest works of German literature. And um, evidently on a final note, when he was in his 70s, he fell in love with another woman and uh, his love was unrequited. She's like, I am too old for your crap. Like Tesla and his laser pigeon. I'm sorry, just all I can, my brain just went, you, you've got what I need. Would you say you're just a pigeon? <laughs> do I have to give context to Tesla and his laser pigeon? Yes, you do. Ah, okay. So Nikola Tesla uh, was a man who believed in eugenics and was a racist and didn't like women. I'm going to front load with all that because Tesla is a bit of a folk hero on the internet and in our rush to say fuck you edison we've ignored that tesla also had flaws so tesla did some cool shit but uh because of his air quotes either good nature or just being a bad fucking businessman uh he didn't end up with any money for the cool things that he did so at the end of his life he's staying in a hotel living off of like crackers and water and he's hallucinating and he says that in his final hours he saw this pigeon with glowing eyes and that pigeon like comforted him and like was his friend so there's this like beautiful sad thing like we don't know if the pigeon was real or not because at that point he's like eating a cracker a day and like dying so the pigeon may not have even been real it could have been a hallucination but yeah that's uh that's the short story of tesla and his laser pigeon that's so sad. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. All right. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the rock opera for Faust. Okay. Because this is what I did in between phone calls today. Yes. Busy work day. But 
Oh my gosh. So we start off, I don't know if you guys remember um, Scott Pilgrim from a few years ago. My Demon Hipster Chicks. Okay, hold on. I have to um, Google. Scott Pilgrim was literally released 10 years ago. I know, I'm old. A few years ago, ma'am? Whatever, I'm old. So it starts off with what I imagine somebody thought demons were as sexy in the 80s. Like, mm-hmm. these look like they are groupies for some metal band. Like, weird kind of cut off tops and their hair is all out to everywhere and their faces are painted gray and Mephistopheles shows up and he looks like a reject from Kiss. Cool. Face is white, got this weird like black design on his face and the mm. sad thing was he still looked like somebody I would have had sex with in my 20s. Mm. So he's got these really bad leather pants on, he's got like a metal t-shirt, he's got this weird like Victorian style jacket and he's singing to God and telling him like I'm gonna mess with your your Faust guy. Well, it's crazy because then you see Faust, and Faust is basically a failing aging professor. He's got a mm. ponytail. Oh my god, no. He's got like these Harry Potter glasses on. He's sitting in a rolling office chair in front of like a really old computer. Because this was done in 97, but the video that I watched was from 2006. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting there watching this going, okay, so how are they going to redeem this guy because he looks terrible? So Mm -hmm. what they do is they take his hair down so it's no longer a creepy professor ponytail. Mm -hmm. Oh no, now he's wearing a shiny green suit. And how can Gretchen not want to have sex with that? A lot of reasons why she doesn't want to have sex with that. Oh Mm -hmm. my gosh, it's painful. But there's like a witch that like is this skinny pretty girl and initially she's like looking like she's all old and achy and then she like breaks out and does this whole song and you're just going what the fuck am I watching what is happening but it is one of those things you're just going I am still watching this and this is in German and Mm. I'm reading the English subtitles going they're kind of nailing it they're kind of nailing the text okay yeah there's still an hour of this. Yeah, no, that's not going to happen. So anyway, we'll put a link to it if you want to watch it. Um, yeah. Um, tell me all about it on Twitter about how mad you are at me for making you watch it. This is most of what I heard throughout the day. Yes. Me randomly pinging Amanda. Oh my gosh. What is wrong with this chick? Um, no, I, I didn't question what was wrong with you. <laughs> that was... That was most of my uh, day was hearing about that. It's also important to mention that Faust is the play they do in Fan with the Opera. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the thing, references I very, very, very much love is from Tombstone, where you find out that the traveling st- or stage show folks are performing mm-hmm. Faust because there's like, what the hell is this shit? They're doing Faust. And then like the girl pulls the Mephistopheles hood off and the mm-hmm. guy goes, well, I'll be damned. And you get immediately, you may be indeed, if you get lucky. And so my husband and I do that constantly. And so... I will like, have you know that Tombstone is my favorite movies, and I will accept no criticism. I love it. No, there's, there's, it's, it's perfect. I'm that sorry. was more it's at the perfect. audience. I okay. will accept no criticism of Tombstone. It's my favorite movies of all time. Um, so again, would- there's a ton of references to Faust and like, I'm pretty sure, like, every animated kid show has had, like, some kind of episode of this. 
like there's really too many to list because this has really become a part of our cultural lexicon well i'm really fascinated too by like i'm watching this rock opera today and going this reminds me so much of tenacious d in the pick of destiny because it's tenacious d in the pick of destiny because it's tenacious d in the pick of destiny <laughs> it's like, like this reminds me so much of this like or like when you finally read hamlet and then you watch the lion king and then realize it's just lion hamlet yep that's that's kind of our whole uh our whole film system is <laughs> let's take the story that we already know okay cool oh lion hamlet so i do have a question for you if yes. you and i were in a hallmark movie keeping in mind i don't watch hallmark movies so i'm okay okay what weird minor side business would we have that was failing hmm. that we'd have to be rescued by the wealthy man from wall street who learns a lesson on christmas well i'm black so i'm not gonna be a main character damn it could you be <laughs> huh could you be like could we'll change the rules now you are okay now i'm a main character uh i don't know probably like my role is like book importing and like it's doing badly because no one wants like these flimsy pages of obscure french poetry i feel like i would have a failing cupcake bakery how did no those are i worked in a cake shop for a while and i will say it's like the least fun job no it's not fun it's you it's get up fun at, at all three in the morning so you can be there by four so things rise properly so you can bake it for when people get there at a god-given hour i didn't even get that fun like a lot of it was just her selling fucking duncan hines cake mix cupcakes oh my gosh no and then like for for exorbitant amounts of money that people still paid um do you want to go over resources sure um there's actually a really good podcast bbc in our time mm-hmm. uh, it's actually the in our time podcast under culture um mm-hmm. so if you look up BBC Culture Faust, it'll pop up for you. Um, There are, I put in the rock opera. There's also a really good video just on like Faust with Lego figures. And it's really quick and dirty. Mm -hmm. And like, it's like nine minutes and it clears it up for you. He also has one for the second half of Faust. So if you do want to know more about it, you can see it in Legos. And then Mm -hmm. there is one, which I'm hoping it, oh, why do do this? Um, But it's just, it's actually, I think it is a School of Life video. I'm sorry. Um, and ah! it's, it is Goethe. And it's just basically his whole life. Um, always we kind of reference Wikipedia, or at least I tend to do it last just to make sure that all my thoughts are in order. Also, um, there was a Wishbone episode. I didn't watch the Wishbone episode. I got to put that in there. There is a Wishbone episode of Faust. I don't know why. I don't know who that was targeted at, but there is one. All right, important question. Did you have to read this in school? Actually, no. Um, I never read this in school. I mean, I've read it because I'm an edgelord, uh, but I never had to read this for school. So I didn't have to read it for school either, but my best friend at the time, Hillary Havens, sorry if I'm calling you out, uh, gave it to me and she gave me the version that has German on one side and English on the other. Mm-hmm. I did not understand a single word of the German um, unless it was spelled very similar to English. Mm-hmm. But I did read it, and I read it in a church, my Lutheran church, in -hmm. between our singing practices. Mm -hmm. So, um, super edgelord as a child. Mm -hmm. I got beat out by, we'll we'll tell, 
I'm not going to talk smack, but there was a girl in my choir who beat me as far as Edgelord went. So Mm. um, I ended up having the two, I I feel like they were the two coolest people as friends. And Mm. then there was this girl that I didn't talk to because she was a butthead. That's the nice, nice way of putting it when you were a 16 year old in a Lutheran traveling church choir. And now you know all about Powerhouse. Um, what you can't see is me throwing my hair back and acting like I'm cool. Uh, this is, again, this is why we don't record at night. No. It, it's like gremlins. Like, we're not supposed to do this. No. Uh, what are we reading next? I think we're doing Madame Bovary. We are. Uh, a book I actually liked too much when I was in school. I've never read it, so I'm excited about it, but I do have a bunch of stories about the author already. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> who wasn't having sex with each other in Paris at the time? And writing about it salaciously. Oh. Yes. Getting it published and then going, more, more. Pretty much. Okay. So we're all over social media. Mm-hmm. Um, Amanda runs our Twitter, which is yes. fantastic and, you know, always saying good morning to you. So if you want to feel loved, uh, we are at, unfortunately, RR on Twitter, mm-hmm. unfortunately required reading on Facebook, mm-hmm. unfortunately required on Instagram, mm-hmm. or if you're like me, you just want to go to one place and get it over with, unfortunately required reading.com. Mm-hmm. Or if you want to email us directly, we're at unfortunately required reading at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Um, if you'd like to contribute to the metaphorical wine and cheese fund, you're welcome to do so at anchor.fm slash unfortunately required reading. Your uh, support is not mandatory, but it is greatly appreciated in this moment. We would like to thank our patrons that help us keep the metaphorical and physical uh, roofs above our head. Thank you so much. You helped us pay um, our website for another year this round, so we really appreciate that. Yay! Yay! We do have a red bubble with merch that you are welcome to buy from. I maintain my challenge from last episode. If you have a white tear sticker, I want to see where you put it. And honestly, that is our number one seller. So, Love that so well much. done, Amanda. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is our last episode of 2020. Uh, we were going to do a retrospective, and then we realized that the world was on fire. And we're tired, y'all. We're, we're really we're so tired. tired. We're, so, <laughs> we're so tired. Uh, so this is our last episode of 2020. Uh, we will be back in January. But um, happy holidays to all of you who listen. Thank you for uh, joining us in this uh, tumultuous year. There was a post that I shared on Facebook that was um, podcasts are like the friends that you always wanted to have, keeping you a little bit less lonely in these times. If we have been that for you, I am sorry. (laughs) But But also thank you. Anytime I go to upload an episode and I see how many people actually listen to us, I'm like, are you okay? Right. Like if, if we're, if we're the friends. I want to be best want... friends with you for real though. Yeah. Accurate. Like if you're listening to us still, you sound super cool, but like, uh, thank you for listening to us during these uh, crazy times. Uh, we do hope that things will improve, uh, as is the nature of existence. Things often do. Um, Happy holidays. Happy New Year. Stay safe. Wear a motherfucking mask. Just because we have a vaccine doesn't mean that it's over. And uh, go read a book.